Thank you for taking time to listen to this Redemption Church sermon. Redemption Church exists to make authentic disciples who live for the glory of God and the good of our world. We want to help everyday people wake up to a deep, meaningful life in Christ. We pray this sermon will help. For more information about Redemption Church and for additional resources, please visit redemptionokc.com. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken to the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you, Mr. Mike. So this is our passage this morning, uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 24. We are in our Christmas series, Watch and See. And last week, Chase kicked off this series by looking at the wise men from the east who followed a star to find Jesus. And one of the things that Chase pointed out to us was that these wise men traveled over a thousand miles by foot to find out what was going on in Bethlehem. And only 10 miles away, the religious leaders and the scribes who would have known much about the coming Messiah didn't even bother to go see what was going on in the town. It was pretty astounding. And then we learned of King Herod and his response. He was fearful and afraid. And Chase challenged us to consider these postures toward Jesus. And I've been wrestling with these questions all week. Does Jesus and his word threaten me? Am I apathetic or too distracted to see when he's present? Or am I so curious like the wise men that I would drop everything and travel a great distance to worship him? Our prayer for this series, Watch and See, is that we would be filled afresh with curiosity and wonder as we look again at the story of the birth of Christ. Jesus, God's own son, born a virgin, born of a virgin, born that man no more may die. So each week we're going to take another piece of the story of the birth of Christ and ask God to give us childlike faith and wonder as we try to wrap our hearts and our minds 
around all that it means that Jesus came into this world fully God and fully man. You guys ready for that? All right. Well, about two weeks ago, Dagny, my four-year-old daughter, and I were going about our typical Friday. Uh, Fridays for Dagny and I are daddy days, and she gets real excited about these days, and one of the things we do is we wake up and we talk about what we're going to do in that day. Most of the time, it means going to the donut shop down the street. Um, This particular Friday, I asked Dagny if she wanted to go find some deer tracks in the woods in our neighborhood, and she was curious and excited, but I think it's because what she was understanding is that we were going to look for reindeer tracks, and so she was pumped, and we grabbed our backpacks, we packed two little bags with a journal and a pen and a snack, and we headed off into the little green belt of our neighborhood to go look for deer tracks. As we're wandering around in the woods, uh, Dagny and I are having little moments looking at the leaves, looking at the fall colors, picking up sticks and using them as walking sticks. And after about an hour, Dagny says, Dad, can we go sit in the grass over there? And she points over to the sunny, spa- the sunny patch of grass. And what she did next floored me, and I'm still, uh, still just enjoying this moment that we had together. This four-year-old girl says, Daddy, lay down with me. And she begins to put her hands behind her head and she crosses her legs and she looks up into the sky and she peers out at the clouds and points to the trees and begins to tell me how beautiful everything is. And as I lay there with her, I felt a fresh sense of wonder come over me. I was a kid again, marveling at what God had created. And there was no place I'd rather be. Why do I share this story with you? Because I think in our world, we could all use a fresh sense of wonder. We're losing the practice of basking in God's creation to kindle our hearts and our imaginations into wonder. We don't know how to slow down anymore and to look to God and all he has made for us. Our busyness and our circumstances shout, not right now, fix this buy this, scroll here, like this, follow this. And all the while, God is beckoning us to his presence as he's done since the dawn of time. I share this this morning to encourage you to slow down in this season, to watch and see what God is up to, to ask God to give you a fresh childlike faith as you approach the Christmas story yet again. Well, when we got back to the house, uh, Dagny and I had picked up a couple of leaves and we put them in the notebook and we got them out and and Dagny wanted me to draw one and I'm looking at this leaf and I'm going, how am I going to draw this? I could draw the simple shape. But then I began looking at it and I see all these lines and these veins and these spots and these colors and I began to just marvel at this thing, this leaf that most of us just want to sweep up and throw away in the trash because they're annoying they get all over our yard. I'm looking at this leaf and I'm going, this leaf was connected to a branch and that branch is a part of a tree and that tree is a part of this green belt in my neighborhood. My neighborhood, a part of this state and the state a part of this continent and this continent a part of this world and this world is a part of a solar system and the solar system a part of a galaxy and 
this leaf was pointing to what God had created. And I just thought, wow. And, and then I thought this morning, what if we applied that same kind of examination and wonder to God's word and the story of the birth of Christ this Christmas? This story we're engaging in is a lot like the leaf. It has a history that goes way beyond the place where it fell. It could be traced back centuries ago through soil and seed, through seedling to tree, back to soil and seed, again and again until on this one particular Friday, Dagny and I pick up this leaf. This story is like that leaf. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2 says this, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. Centuries before Jesus would come into the world, prophets foretold precisely where he would come from. He would be of the line of Jesse, of the line of David. And I love the imagery here that he would be a branch, a shoot that would go out and provide safe covering. For his people. Well, Father, I pray this morning that those who have heard this story time and time again would find a new facet, would be filled with childlike wonder and faith again. God, open our eyes to see afresh. And for those who have heard this story or are hearing it for the first time and it just seems like a fairy tale, I pray that your spirit would open our eyes to see this story as the most magnificent and miraculous thing that has ever happened in all creation. We need your help, God, to wonder and marvel again at the birth of your son, Jesus. Don't let us run past this moment. God, thank you that you sent Jesus. You became man and dwelt with us. Glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Help us see your glory, we pray. Amen. So this morning we will look at the story of Joseph. We will look at this part of the narrative. And if you haven't already opened your Bibles uh, to Matthew 1, I think it would be helpful for you to be there this morning. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 24. If you're new to the Bible, Matthew is the first book of the Gospels found in the New Testament. And this is where we're going to be this morning. So here in this part of the story, we meet Joseph, who would become the earthly father of Jesus. Joseph was a carpenter from Nazareth, and he likely passed his trade on to Jesus. He was born in Bethlehem, Nazareth was a small town of around 400 people. It's a pretty small town. And we don't know about, we don't know much about Joseph other than what a few passages tell us about him. That he was a man of character and righteousness, that he obeyed God, and he became Jesus' father. This Joseph is not to be confused with the Joseph we read about in the Old Testament. I was talking with somebody this week and they're like, wait, aren't they the same people? That's okay if you think that. Like, I'm just clarifying, this isn't the same Joseph. That Joseph in the Old Testament uh, is, a, is an amazing story, one that you should study. 
But this Joseph is different. In church history, this Joseph has been nicknamed Quiet Joseph, and I love that. There aren't any words captured in this part of the gospel, just a description about what he did. He's mentioned in the lineage of Jesus in the first part of Matthew 1, and then only a few verses in the gospels, and never really mentioned again. This quiet Joseph would become the father of Jesus in a very unusual and profound way. This was his primary role. Joseph may have been quiet in the scriptures, but I assure you his actions would speak louder than any unrecorded words that he may have spoken. And this is Joseph's conundrum. This young man was engaged and then betrothed to young Mary. And you might be wondering what that means. Aren't those the same thing? Engagement, betrothal, marriage. Well, they're not the same thing in Jewish culture. So let me explain this to you. Families arranged marriages at a pretty early age. That would have been an engagement. And engagements uh, would happen. And as a couple matured, they would then enter into a legally binding relationship called a betrothal. This is not marriage. Oftentimes, this was about a one-year period where they were preparing for marriage. And an engagement could be broken off without any legal proceedings. But like marriage, a betrothal could only be ended by legal divorce. And so Joseph is in this place, betrothed to Mary, not yet married, This meant that they were committed to marrying, but not yet living together. They weren't having marital relations. So when Joseph discovers that Mary is pregnant, this creates a huge problem. Can you imagine his confusion, his fear, his frustration? In his view, this had to have meant that Mary was unfaithful, and divorce in this culture would have been lawful for him in this instant. Actually, this kind of thing often ended with the unfaithful party being stoned to death. But what do we see in Joseph's response? Matthew 1, verse 19, says, Joseph, being just a man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Scripture doesn't tell us how Mary and Joseph first interacted during this new reality of pregnancy. I wonder how Mary broke the news to Joseph. I wonder what that conversation was like. What was Joseph thinking when she described that an angel appeared to her and told her she was pregnant without ever having slept with a man? Can you imagine? And we know from Luke's gospel account that after Mary's encounter with the angel Gabriel, she traveled to see her friend Elizabeth, who was also with child. And we don't know this for sure, but scholars say that Mary was likely four months along when she returned from that trip to visit Elizabeth and first told Joseph, and she would have been showing by this time. We'll look more closely at Mary's story next week, but I say all this to help us understand that this wasn't a quick and simple interaction. Angels appear and clear things up, and then all things are well. This would have likely been a very dramatic thing to process for Mary and Joseph, maybe even a little traumatic for both of them. So back to our text and to Joseph's conundrum. 
He's likely in the depths of confusion and frustration and not knowing what to do. And God breaks in. He speaks to Joseph through an angel while he's asleep. And let's look at the angel's words. I want to spend some time here this morning. The angel's words in verse 20. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. These are the words that God chooses to comfort Joseph with in the midst of this conundrum. First, he calls him by name and he reminds him where he came from. Our father knows us. He is personal and where we live and the time we live and the families we were born into have more significance than we can imagine. He calls Joseph by name and also attaches his heritage to his name, son of David. For Joseph, this would have clued him into the wider story of God. God has been at work since the beginning of the fall of man to save his people. And a Jewish man like Joseph would have connected the dots that God is up to something big here when he mentions the line of David. You see, David was the promised king that Israel cried out to God to supply to them, but David was only an archetype of the kind of king God's people really needed. David himself prophesied in the Psalms about another king who would come and deliver God's people from sin and death once and for all. The name son of David had profound significance for Joseph and for Jesus. And through this title, we would see a millennium of prophecies fulfilled when he became Jesus' earthly father. It's stunning. The angel's next words would likely reverberate in Joseph's heart for many years. He says, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. How do you resolve to marry someone who's told you that she just as conceived a child through the Holy Spirit and not be afraid, right? How do you wrap your head around that? Yet these are the words that God wants Joseph to remember. Do not be afraid. And how many times have we seen these words throughout key moments in scripture? God is a God of peace, not of fear. He wants Joseph to be at peace in this moment. And he says, do not be afraid. It's likely that Joseph would hang on to these words for years to come as he would father a young Jesus. And then the crescendo of the angel's words, she will bear you a son and you'll call his name Jesus. For he will save the people from all their sins. I can't imagine what this would have been like for Joseph. So what happens next in the story? Joseph wakes and he obeys. He wakes and he obeys. He takes Mary to be his wife. He trusts what God tells him and what was so fragile for the days and weeks and maybe months before became set in stone. 
Joseph would become Jesus's father on earth by marrying his bride and naming his child as God had commanded him to do. This floored me this time around, thinking about David and thinking about the lineage and thinking about Joseph and thinking about the line that Jesus came from and realizing the fragility of all of this. That God would choose to come into the world like this. Two young people from a small town of 400 doing their part, keeping their faith, and he enters into the fray. And Joseph, being just a man, right? He could have walked away, yet he obeyed his heart anchored and tethered to God's word. God's plan to save the world was to enter into this fray as a man himself in this miraculous way. And Joseph had a choice to make here. Would he listen and obey God's word? Would he take Mary to be his wife despite the judgment he would likely face in his community? Would he set aside his pride and trust what God had said? He does. And the way Joseph becomes Jesus' father is through this act of obedience. When Joseph wakes and obeys God's word, prophecy is fulfilled. Jesus would be born into the lineage that was prophesied for generations. Abraham, David, Joseph, Jesus. Joseph had not slept with Mary. She conceived this child by the Holy Spirit. So the only way that Joseph could legitimately become Jesus' father and Jesus would legitimately be from the line of David was for Joseph to marry Mary and to name his child. This was legally and spiritually binding in Jewish culture. It's mind-boggling that Joseph became Jesus' surrogate father on earth, securing his lineage. It's stunning. And it tells me so much of God's heart for his people. Jesus would become the answer for all men and women to be adopted into God's kingdom through this act of obedience. The fragility of this moment, the act of faith-filled obedience is staggering. Mary and Joseph's faith inspires me. But I'm even more blown away that God would choose to bring about his plan of saving the world from sin and death by entering into this fray in this way. Such an intimate reality. What a personal God. What a way to demonstrate a love that can fully understand what it's like here on earth. He could have done it so many different ways. And that should shake every one of us awake to childlike wonder as we consider it. Like the fall leaf, at first glance, it's just a leaf lying on the ground. But when we look closely and we think about it, it's got a pretty epic story when you pick it up and study it. I want to tell you, don't be satisfied this Christmas with simply walking by the story of Christ entering the world as a baby. Pick it up and study it. We're only scratching the surface here this morning. There are many more truths about the miraculous conception of Jesus than one could ever imagine. Study it on your own. Look at all the prophecies about Christ. Flip through the pages of your Bible during this season and see just how deep the rabbit hole goes. It's astonishing. 
We have it all captured in scripture. I want to look at one more facet of this story. I'm going to pick it up in verse 22 and 23. Another prophecy. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This prophecy was spoken by Isaiah 700 years before Christ was born. Did Mary connect the dots? Did Joseph connect the dots? I'm sure they did, but it probably wasn't instant. They likely had to recall the story of their faith and what they knew of the Torah and the scriptures several times during this period in their journey. This prophecy here in Matthew does two things. First, it confirms that God's plan has been in motion for generations. And you might think, well, that could just be happenstance or coincidence, except this is just one of over 300 prophecies, conservatively speaking, about Jesus, the one who would come to make all things new. And you know, for me, I am not really a numbers person. I'm, I'm like the artist, the touchy-feely person. And so when I read 300 prophecies about Jesus and I was thinking about these fall leaves, I started wandering the neighborhood again and I picked up 300 leaves. I counted them, each of them, handpicked them. One of my neighbors actually saw me doing this and he thought I was crazy. And... As I thought about this morning, and I thought about 300 prophecies about Christ, I just want to show you what that looks like. This is 300 words about the coming Messiah, about Jesus Christ. Isn't that incredible? And can you imagine what this would have been like? It puts things in perspective, right? There's no way that something could be foretold in 300 plus different ways over millennia and not be absolutely true. This was faith building for me. There's no other religion that can claim this. Jesus is our answer. And I want to spend the rest of our time this morning on this name, Emmanuel, and the significance to Mary and Joseph and to us and to all of humanity. We're told here in the text that Emmanuel means God with us. You guys don't miss this. Our creator, the God of Genesis 1, the one who set the planets and stars in motion, who intimately knows every single fall leaf, the one who breathed the breath of life into man and woman. This God is called Emmanuel, God with us. And this is what every human heart truly longs for. We're searching. We're all searching for something to fill the longing in our hearts. We're all homesick. We're homesick because sin separated us from God. Since Adam, there has been a great schism between God and man. This world has been groaning and aching and searching for a way to get back to the garden 
That's why we cover everything up with busyness. We just do the next thing because we're aching and longing for our true home in Christ. This is it. God became flesh and dwelt among us. Scriptures teach us that by one man's disobedience, we were all set on this trajectory of disobedience and sin. But by the obedience of one, Jesus, many will be made righteous. It's Romans 5.19. So this baby that was born, this Jesus, is the answer to every broken heart, to every longing, to every jacked up situation in life. Jesus is the prophecy that was fulfilled, God with us. The promise that God would never leave us or forsake us. He is with us. Jesus literally means God saves. And Emmanuel literally means God with us. The scriptures tell us that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the good news, the gospel And I want to be clear here that it's not just the birth of Christ that saves. It's not just the fact that he became a baby. It's what he came to do. Jesus, fully God, yet fully man, walked this earth. And it was his obedience unto death and his resurrection from the dead that saves us. Jesus did what no man can do. He came and experienced the brokenness of this world and he did not sin. He was put to death by sinners and yet he knew no sin. And this was to fulfill God's plan of redemption for creation. That's what these prophecies were about. Providing a way back to God. Peace on earth. The same spirit who brought Jesus into the world through this miraculous conception is the same spirit who raised him from the dead. And all those who believe this will share in that same resurrection. Do you believe it? Have you thought about it lately? Have you marveled at that truth? We too will join Jesus in the new creation with no more sin, struggle, or toil. God with us is a forever, all of eternity reality. So when you hear the name Emmanuel, let your heart leap. God is with us. It means we're saved. From that place, let's remember what Jesus asks us to do as his followers. I want to visit one more place in scripture this morning. Jesus' words in the last chapter of Matthew. This is Matthew Chapter 28, this is known as the Great Commission passage. Jesus is with his disciples and he's giving them some final instructions. And we often talk about this passage as what we ought to do as the church, continuing on thousands of years after. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Matthew 28, 20, catch this. Behold, watch and see. I am with you always to the end of the age. This is God's promise to those who follow Christ. And Jesus' final charge to his followers to go and spread the news that God saves, he also wants them to be sure that he is Emmanuel, God with us. It's where we find our strength. Do you have doubts at times? Of course you do. I do. We all do. When we're called to share what Christ has done, Sometimes we just can't get there. But Christian, take heart. Jesus says, behold, watch and see. I am with you always to the end of the age. Do you know that we're sitting in this room because generation upon generation upon generation has believed in God with us, Emmanuel, and has been faithful to share the gospel and the good news. We're connected to an amazing story. Let that wake your heart up this Christmas. So where do we go from here? I want to give you just a couple of encouragements this Christmas season. Please do what you can to slow down. Only you can control your pace. You know that? Contemplate the realities of this incredible story. Take a walk in the woods. Go get lost watching a sunset. Bring your Bible with you. Work your way through the Christmas story. Your calendar will relentlessly pursue you. I guarantee it. Busyness will come your way. So only you can carve out that time. And I encourage you, don't rush past this holy wonder of the birth of our Savior this Christmas. Take some time to think about it and the realities and the amazing story that it is. This is why we put together an Advent guide for you. We've been passing them out at the front doors and Advent is just a way for us to continue to put our hearts in a place where we're looking at fresh at the Christmas story. And so... Don't let this one hour on Sunday be the only time you think about the Christmas story. Use that Advent guide. Use other resources to draw your hearts close to Jesus and what we're celebrating and what he's done for you. If you're struggling to do this alone, if you're struggling to engage your heart, I want to encourage you to reach out to somebody here in the church. That's what this is for. It's not just to gather once a week, it's to encourage one another throughout the week. And so maybe you can work through an Advent guide week with a friend here. Maybe call somebody new and invite them over. We'd love to help you guys get connected in that way. And and in this season, this is why we chose the series Watch and See, because we want to be filled with wonder again. Let's be reminded that Jesus has come. He is Emmanuel with us. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you. Uh, As I stare at the ground here, these leaves, and think about 300 
prophecies and truths foretold from generation to generation that speak of this baby born in Bethlehem that would become our Savior. I marvel at it afresh. And Father, we thank you that this is a personal story meant for every one of us to find rescue and peace and salvation in the name Jesus. Father, would we see Jesus through new eyes this Christmas season? Would you comfort us, give us peace and understanding of all that he's done for us? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.